Welcome to episode 28 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering our thoughts on the Whole30 and intermittent fasting, our favorite fitness expos for 2018, and how to help people set realistic goals. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 28. Uh, a little bit of a role reversal right now. Lauren is a little bit stuffy. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the beginning of each episode, I'm extremely allergic. I don't know if I'm extremely <laughs> allergic to podcasting or whatnot, but Lauren's got a little bit, like a case of the sniffles oh, right now. A couple sniffles, <laughs> but not too bad. I've, I'm better than I was. I was sick for like two weeks, mm-hmm, so yep. I'm, I'm on the mend. Um, so, so, I mean, we just got back from... Your grandparents' retirement party. Yeah, my grandfather is eighty six, either eighty five or eighty six. I forget how old. Yeah, but he's in his (laughs) eighties, and he has owned his own business for at least fifty years, and he um, is extremely passionate about what he does. And uh, my grandmother joined on very early on as well, and they have been running this business together for so long. And so it was incredible to have like all their colleagues come out. And what was really cool is I didn't know that much about what he did. I just knew he was an entrepreneur who was very well respected in like yeah. the business world. But these people came up and like to talk, and they were like. I wouldn't be who I am today without you. Yeah, very and you emotional. changed my life. And there's so much emotion there. And I can see why he wanted to keep going even into his 80s because it, it was obviously he was so passionate about his work and what he did. So uh, it was really, really cool to be there and to get a little glimpse into my I mean, he's the he's the only other entrepreneur in my family. Yeah. You know, besides. Sense. Yeah, I remember I was like, I was like, yeah, it seems like he's kind of a big deal. And then I remember I was like, oh, he must be actually a pretty significant deal because he's got a book translated in Korean, yeah. right? Um, seeing Systems. But um, yeah, I've been talking to a bunch of our members about it and they've been like, wait, your your Lauren's grandparents are retiring? Like, how old are they? <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess if you're an entrepreneur at heart, like you just kind of like have to because it is what you're passionate about. So. Right. You know, at a certain point, it doesn't really feel like work. It feels like you're fulfilling whatever lifelong passion that you have. So it was pretty cool. It was really cool. But now they are going to get to go relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that will be that Well, will be well deserved. Needed. Yeah, well deserved. So that was fun. Um, yeah. So should we get right into Let's questions into today? Let's get into it. Excellent. So we are going to start with a question from Jay Crow on Instagram. And they asked, what do you think of Whole30 or any reset diet? Um, so this is a great question and one I can answer because I have done Whole30 and many reset diets in the past. Yep. Um, so Whole30, if you haven't heard of it, is basically 30 days of um, there's a lot of like things that you can't eat on the Whole30 diet. So it is it includes um, like sugar, added sugars, it includes grains, dairy, um, caffeine, alcohol. So there's a lot of things that you cut out throughout this 30-day period. And the reason that it, what I would say about it is it depends on why you're doing it, whether it's going to be good or bad for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So the reason that I did it was because I was going through like a lot of struggles with weight loss and, or perceived like feeling that I needed to lose weight. And so I was always trying these different diets and these different things. So I did it with the hopes that I would just lose weight and that it would kickstart this weight loss journey for Mm me. Um, and I did lose some weight when I did it. And I also gained it all back very quickly (laughs) after the fact, because I didn't want to keep alcohol and dairy and carbs out of my diet forever. And I couldn't, um, at least like carbs and stuff because I, you know, I was, very active as well. So for me, 
it didn't serve the purpose that I wanted it to. Um, but a purpose that it does serve for a lot of people is it does help you to find if you have some sensitivities to certain types of food. Um, and so it basically eliminates a lot of the typical sensitivities. So, um, a lot of people have dairy sensitivities or a lot of people may have, um, you know, even grain sensitivities. So it, it does help you to realize that if you take those things out and then you start to reincorporate them and you start to feel not as good with those in your diet, you may actually have a little bit of a sensitivity to those things. And so that's a very eye-opening experience to have to just see like, am I like, am I sensitive to certain foods I didn't realize? Like, am I always uncomfortable after I eat and I didn't even realize until I took those things out? So if you're doing it as an experiment, as kind of a test to see if certain foods bother you, I would say go for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Doing mm-hmm. something for 30 days is never going to be harmful for you, really. Um, but just being level-headed and when you go into it and not thinking that it's going to be the solution to your like weight loss problems, anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty amazing Like when people talk about going through a Whole30 or any other sort of like uh, elimination diet where they're really restricting certain types of foods that might be inflammatory. How many people say that they're like, I didn't even realize that I actually had stomach issues after eating. Right. And so it's like, you know, in that sense, it can be good to be like, Oh, you know what? Dairy doesn't really agree with me. So I don't really need that yogurt or that milk or whatever. Um, but it's only when you treat it as this purely aesthetic, uh, weight loss thing, then it's like, Oh, I can't have anything yeah and then when inevitably you get off of it you just start to eat everything because it just becomes such a psychological um issue and i could tell that you were you were very carefully selecting your words just now because it is such a we don't want to go with this blanket recommendation but we also have seen a lot of people um not be successful and feel very discouraged after it right so um yeah i think if you are looking for very specific um maybe allergies that you have or intolerances that you have. It can be very eye-opening in that regard. Um, but as a weight loss, weight loss strategy, uh, you know, I, don't, I think there are better options and ways to go about doing it. Yeah, we, I mean, the only thing that's ever worked for me was trying to look at things long-term mm-hmm. and stopping uh, these resets, stopping cleanses, stopping these short-term strategies because they're, as they sound, they're short-term strategies and they get you somewhere in a short period of time mm-hmm. and then you almost always... and. I mean, for me, it was always go back to where you were or gain a little bit more weight after the fact. And it's like, I consider myself somebody who has pretty strong willpower and, you know, like I don't consider myself someone who succumbs to like peer pressure or cravings or like things like that. But when you do these things, when you put yourself through this restrictive period, it's beyond your like control, your mind, mm-hmm. your willpower control. When you are able to eat these things again, you have these intense cravings, and you really do. Your body wants you to go in the other direction because you just spent so time, so long trying to essentially starve it that it's like, okay, can we eat now? Like, can we live again? And yeah. it wants everything back. So, um, really, short term strategies typically aren't the way to go if you're looking for weight loss. Um, it, there may be those few people out there who did it once and then they're like, I can do this forever. Um, <laughs> the whole 365. Yeah, but it's very rare. So just kind of, again, go into it with a very clear understanding of why you're doing it. Um, and if it is for weight loss, maybe start to rethink uh, other options that might be a little bit more long term. Yeah, I remember like we would we would try to like like search for which populations this might be beneficial for. Um, and I remember we're like, you know, maybe if someone is type A, someone is very organized, someone can really meal prep perfectly, 
But even those people, they're going to run into these situations where they can't control, where yeah. maybe they have to stay late at work or some family issue pops up or whatever might happen. And then it almost hits these people harder when they can't um, adjust their lifestyle to this thing because then they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't hit my goals of this very tangible thing of 30 days of restriction. I'm a failure. Um, yeah. And then it gets even worse. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just understanding why you're doing it in the first place and giving yourself leniency if, you know something were to happen basically. yeah 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 cool. cool all right next question is from joshua peters he's he's an old friend on instagram at this point <laughs> we've been ta- chatting with him for a while um he asked how do you talk to your achievers about realistic time frames to achieve their goals that is a great question um and you know it doesn't really come up that often especially for our members that have been with us for a while um we really like to reframe goals and we really like to talk about specifically process-based goals. So we're always talking to our members about how they can get more consistent at the gym, um, how they can get better foods into their diets. Um, We rarely talk about do this to achieve, you know, X weight loss goal or do this to achieve X uh, squat goal. Uh, It's always geared towards let's get you, let's put you in the best position to succeed and let's get these steps, um, uh, taken care of in order to get for you to get there because there's, there's there's just so many variables like I was just talking about like you might have a family emergency pop up or you might have an extremely stressful time at work and all these variables start to come into play maybe you don't sleep and you start to hold on to cortisol and then weight loss becomes a non-issue even though you might be doing all the right things and it's just putting so much weight into um, an outcome goal can become a very um, unmanageable territory yeah Yeah. So we usually like we do some education up front about goal setting Mm -hmm. and we say um, when we ask people about their goals, a lot of times initially people will say um, like in the first time we meet them, they'll say, "Um, I want to lose about 20 pounds and I want to get a little stronger. And those are like typically as deep as they'll go. right? Like I want to lose a little weight maybe. And then we're like, we usually prompt them like anything that you want to accomplish in the gym Mm because we would still rather them at least set, if it's going to be an outcome goal, at least try to set like a strength based goal. So it's something that they can work toward that they can control. So you can control getting stronger for the most part, but you can't always control weight loss as well because there's so many different factors. Um, So we try to encourage that. But in the beginning, we don't, we don't like sit them down and say like, okay, the way that you're setting goals is wrong and you need to set process these goals right like we let them have those goals yeah that's um, true. but we also and i think this really helps is we have a big board in the gym of it's called a goals board and at the top it just says let us know your goals for 2018 and our members who have been here for a long time who we've had the chance to talk to about goal setting and what we think is kind of ideal for goal setting they all have up there come to the gym 175 times and they're like checking off how many times they come to the gym or it'll be like sleep an average of seven hours a night or it'll be um spend more time with my family like they all put things up there that are things that are in a hundred percent in their control um and they're checking those off as accomplishments and so the people who first came in and and had a weight loss goal kind of look at that board and they're like well no one else everyone else is kind of checking things off as they go. Like they're having these daily accomplishments, whereas you can't check off, you know, you're not going to lose 20 pounds in a week. So you're going to, it's just going to be a more frustrating process than if you get to say like, I did this today. I accomplished my goal. I came into the gym or I got that sleep. Yeah. It's been kind of like a a culture shift almost like initially we we've got these overachiever boards um, up at the gym. And like some examples are, 
our level one powerlifting goal is three and a half times your body weight total for squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, we've also got a level one Turkish getup goal of 24 kilos. Level two is 40 kilos um, and so on and so forth. And then we realized that we should also have, we should also reward consistency. So we have um, a goal of 175 visits up there. And what we do with our members is we'll, we'll start to shift the conversation to be more in terms of, hey, I noticed you've been so much more consistent lately. Or, hey, I noticed you've been hitting the gym so much more frequently and like doing X, Y, and Z more consistently. And less so about what they've achieved, but more rewarding what they've done to actually get there and what kind of sacrifices they made to actually get there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then just kind of without talking about it, that shifts their perspective into like, these are the things that are important. Mm -hmm. Like the things that are important are that I'm showing up Yeah, and I'm doing the work. Yeah. And of course we, we also congratulate them and high five them on accomplished accomplishments that they've made. Um, another thing is, so let's say someone has a pull-up goal, like that can be a very big goal for someone. Uh, And we've got a lot of people that walk through our doors and say that's their primary goal initially, but that can be, as we know, just a longer road. It might be six months. It might be nine months. So what we'll do is if we're doing assisted pull-ups, we'll say, hey, if we want to graduate to the next band, you need to do about six to eight uh, pull-ups with this band. Right. And that gives them in a more easily attainable micro goal that'll eventually get them to their macro goal of a completely unassisted pull-up. But at least they're getting some little victories along the way that validate the process. And they're understanding that, like, I'm not quite ready to move on yet. Yeah. Instead of always trying, like, maybe today I'll see if I can do a pull-up. Like, we totally. love people who can do five pull-ups with a half-inch band. Most likely they'll be able to do a pull-up, but yeah. we always tell them that it's six to eight. Mm-hmm. Like, once you can do six to eight, then you can try. And so people will do five, and they'll be like, can I try? And we're like, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as you stay consistent with that, and people are like, okay, I know, I know, yeah. I have to wait. And they won't get frustrated by trying and failing. Yeah, um, we used we, to let them try. Yeah, we used to let them try a lot. Yeah, and then it was just like, it got to a point where it's like, it's more psychologically like detrimental than it is beneficial to try this rep when most likely you won't be able to hit it. And yeah. if you do hit it, it still might not look great. So we, we prefer get them to six to eight reps with that half inch band and then they'll just knock it out. Maybe even get two or three reps. That's yeah. happened pretty often. But that's so much better than trying and continuously quote-unquote failing yeah um so yeah i think that hopefully that helps a little bit also some an advantage that we have with our system is that we have people um on annual contracts so people are at achieve for at least a year so we don't have like a six pack of sessions where we have to try to get them to be able to accomplish their goals in in six weeks or something like that um so that's a big advantage and we we talk about that with them we say the reason we have annual contracts is because we want that whole year to be able to build up to some really exciting things for you um but it takes time everything worth doing takes time and so having that um that built-in annual contract if you can do that in your facility or you can find ways to have people kind of commit to more time than just like these little six packs or little 12 packs that will really help you be able to talk to them about long-term goals as opposed to trying to set or trying to figure out how you can get somebody to accomplish something in a short period of time. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Cool. All right. And then we will move on to, we got some quick ones, right? Yeah. uh, One more actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this one is from Peter H Watts and he asks any thoughts on the FRC by Dr. Andreo Spina, intermittent fasting, and do you recommend any fitness expos for 2018? Um, yeah, so we don't have we don't actually have any personal experience with FRC. Um, it seems like there are a lot of people that do enjoy it. Um, yeah, we wouldn't really ever discourage continuing education. So definitely go 
um, with an open mind and see if it works for your population. And if it does, then awesome. And if it doesn't, then that's totally fine too. You definitely got at least something out of it. Uh, but yeah, we don't have any personal experience with it. Yeah. So sorry, can't say too much about it. <laughs> um, as far as intermittent fasting, I, I guess I probably should have, I meant to put this one in with the whole 30 cause it's kind of similar, similar yeah. idea. Um, but also something I've tried surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I used to do intermittent fasting and, um, I probably did it for like a three month span maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast where I used to be very, um, anxious and panicky about food and hunger. And if I would get hungry, I would freak out. Um, and like hangry took hangry to the next level. Um, Jason would always just laugh at me, but it was real. Like I was really anxious about food. And so, and especially in the morning. So in the morning I would wake up and I would immediately make a huge bowl of oatmeal because I just, I was in that routine. I felt like I needed it. I couldn't start my day without it. Yeah. Um, so when I started intermittent fasting, that's, you go like, you, you usually wait to eat until, um, it depends on which one you're doing, but some people will start at noon. Some people will start at like 4 PM. Mm-hmm. So basically you just do an extended fast where after you go to bed, you continue that fast. Instead of having breakfast, you skip that. Maybe instead of having lunch, you skip that and just eat at night. Um, it depends on what, what, uh, ratio you want to do. But skipping breakfast was the most challenging, like new experience for me. Totally. And, I now actually what I've really gained from it is a lack of panic about food. Um, and so I didn't enjoy my intermittent fasting experience overall because I felt very, again, I was doing it for weight loss purposes. So I felt like I was restricting myself Mm -hmm. and I was not allowing myself to have food. And when you're in that mindset, that's very, it can be very damaging. Like I'm not allowed to eat right now is a damaging thing to say Mm -hmm. to yourself. Um, but when I went back to like, okay, I'm just going to eat normally. I would wake up and be like, I don't, think I need breakfast and I, or I would just decide maybe some days I wanted it and some days I didn't, but I had never felt that freedom before of not having to have it. Mm -hmm. And so I did gain that from the experience. And I do think that that could be something that could be helpful for people to really understand hunger versus habits. Um, because for me, a lot of my eating was habit based and I thought it was hunger. So in the morning I felt hungry my stomach grumbled and it was told me I was hungry, but it was really just a habit that I had to get out of. And now I, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I really want breakfast and I eat something in the morning. And then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I'm good. I can go coach and I can go do, go through my day and maybe I'll eat at lunch (laughs) and it just depends. And that's really freeing feeling. So, yeah, and I I told a story in in the second or third podcast or so. But Lauren was in the thick of her intermittent fasting. And so we have this routine where we wake up and Lauren wakes up about 10 minutes earlier than me. It takes her just like a smidge longer. And she also was making breakfast at that time. And so the alarm goes off and I'm kind of expecting her to wake up. And I'm like, hey, Lauren, you know, you know, you should you should get up now. And she just like turns around and essentially just shouts at me like, I remember, I'm not eating breakfast anymore. <laughs> It's just like such a shock to me. And like we laughed about it later on just because like we were both like delirious at 530 in the morning. And then I remember like I'm pretty like just like goofy in the mornings and like I was just like joking around with her. And then she was like one morning where again she wasn't eating breakfast and she was just like no joking around in the mornings. Yeah, I was kind of angry during that period of time. So, but I mean now you can, you don't really 
have the need to eat breakfast until 10 or 11 or so, yeah. if that even. Yeah. Um, unless I want it or unless yeah. I am like, oh no, today I'm hungry. But I actually have an understanding of what my body is asking for now mm-hmm. um, and, and wants as opposed to before I was just like, no, I need, this is what I need every yeah. morning. I need breakfast. So, <laughs> and I would yeah. say actually for me, I'm actually, I think I would do well off an intermittent fasting plan. Like if I wanted to do it. Um, or if I felt the urge to do it for whatever reason, um, just cause I do feel like I do thrive with just not eating and then eating more when I, <laughs> when I, when I feel hungry. Um, but as soon as I start to eat, it almost like triggers like, yeah, I guess habits. I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but I feel hungrier as soon as I start eating. So yeah. if I just like, I could literally just work until 3 PM and then I'll be like, Oh, I haven't eaten all day. I should eat now. Um, so I could, I could theoretically be successful with intermittent fasting if I wanted to. Um, but like also like there, there'll be times where I am hungry in the morning. It's like, I don't want to restrict myself. I just want to eat whatever thing I want to eat. Yeah. So I think what we like is a flexible intermittent fasting style. So basically there's nothing wrong with not eating breakfast. Um, I don't think that 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 used to be a thing. Like you have to eat breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Mm. Um, there's really nothing wrong with it. And there's been a lot of research that says like the timing of your food doesn't matter as much anymore. Timing around workouts is probably what matters the most. Um, but timing as far as like spreading out, like eating every two to three hours versus eating every five hours versus eating breakfast or not eating breakfast doesn't really matter as long as you get the overall calories that you need in a day, the overall nutrients that you need in a day. So even if you're intermittent fasting, you still need to make sure that in that shorter uh, eating window, you're still getting you know, you still have to get six to seven servings of vegetables in there. So you have to eat a lot more at once. You still have to get a lot of protein in there. So you do have to make sure that you're not just not eating breakfast and then eating the normal amount that you would eat for lunch and dinner. You have to to up it a little bit. Um, But wait, where was I going with that? I lost, totally lost. <laughs> um, oh, flexible intermittent fasting. But yeah. yeah, so so what we would probably recommend is like, there's nothing wrong with fasting every year, every once in a while. And it may actually be beneficial for you just to test out like if you're feeling really hungry or if it's more that you're used to this routine. Um, but we don't think that it's something that you should try to do all the time and force yourself to do because yeah. we do think that that can become, again, like something that becomes a little more mentally exhausting. Yeah. So like, I mean, I would say like if anyone is interested in any sort of diet plan or, or nutrition plan, just to try it out if they want to try it out for four or six weeks or so, you'll definitely get something out of it. And then you can decide whether or not if it's appropriate for you. Yeah. Uh, but I always like when people like CrossFitters will say that they've done paleo or they've, they've done whole 30 or some other like bodybuilders might say that they've done if it fits your macros or they've done some like intermittent fasting, that sort of thing. And then all these experienced people eventually get to the point where they do that version, kind of. Like, I, I'm paleo-ish, or yeah. I'm Whole30-ish. And that has just been, that allows them the flexibility to, you know, to manage just life in general, but also give them some guidelines within that as well. So I, I think that's always a good place to be in. Like, you've tried something, and now I'm flexible enough to adapt to what I need to. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. 
Awesome. Cool. All right. And then the last part of that question was uh, any fit, fitness expos that we would recommend in 2018. So this is for the coaches out there. Yep. Um, we definitely always recommend the Perform Better Summit. It's a three-day summit. They have them in three different locations. Um, so the one we go to is in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be there in Providence, definitely come say hello to us. We would love to meet meet you all. Yep. Um, so we'll be there. Um, I believe that's in June or July, usually. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, um, we just came back from the Arnold. We which, did just come back from the Arnold. Which the experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I probably like any any sort of um, NSCA event. I know there's a lot of good expos there. Um, a lot of the bigger ones ends up being more of like a trade show and more yeah. about like sponsorships and more about selling stuff. Um, we really like Perform Better because it has this nice balance of a lot of education, especially from some of the world's just top presenters, along with um, selling stuff. But the stuff that they believe in, like they're not selling you like random stuff. It's just, it's things that they actually sell from their catalog and put their name and brand behind. So they clearly value whatever they're trying to sell you. So like when I show up, I don't even think that it's an expo. Like I don't true. think about it as they're like, oh, everybody's in your face trying to sell you stuff. Whereas the Arnold, like, oh my God, it was just it was all insane. people selling everything, like free samples everywhere. Yeah. And, like, all, and you're just like so in your face, but perform <laughs> better. Like the features are the presenters. The features yeah. are the, the education that you're going to get. And then you might walk around to some of the booths and be like, oh, this is cool. Like this would actually enhance my training. Um, but there's not going to be anything that that they don't believe in, that the presenters there don't really believe in. Yeah. So it really is high quality information and high quality stuff that they are selling. If you And there's no pressure to buy anything there, though. Yeah, like, it's totally the, cool. It's just fine to go show up to all the presentations and then especially go to the social. Yeah, very, very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So cool. That, that about wraps. Wow. That <laughs> about <laughs> wraps things up. I really need to work on my closing. My intro is strong. Like, yeah. You guys have to admit my intro is really strong. But my closing has a lot to be desired. (laughs) But anyway, uh, please send us any questions that you have through our Instagram channel. So DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston. Uh, So if you have any questions, send send them there. Um, Yeah, leave leave us an iTunes review if you find these podcasts to be helpful. Um, And that about wraps things up. (laughs) Struggle bus today. All right, until next time. Peace. Love and and muscles. muscles.